Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, specifically State of Origin Game 1 Review. Spoiler alert, I'm a Queenslander. Spoiler alert, I actually tipped the Blues. Spoiler alert, am I mad? No, not at all. My uh, bold prediction was actually for Blues to win this, and then what I wanted to do was to get on Queensland at inflated odds to win the series, win Games 2 and 3. But we won Game 1. So, hell yeah. And watching all the Blues fans just start eating their own enjoyable stuff. Uh, But I am a little bit dusty. I had a responsible amount of drinks. And of course, today's podcast isn't about me. Today's all about State of Origin Game 1. But yeah, please forgive me. I'm a little bit dusty. It's nearly 2pm and I'm still gaining my bearings for the day. So I'm glad I actually... Had a day off work, had a few drinks last night, found myself at points standing for long periods of time. I had to remind myself, like, sit down, brother, you're not playing. You're not going to get called off the bench to uh, lace up the pair of boots. Just sit, sit down, brother. Uh, But such is origin. You know, it's just so tense. I wasn't on the edge of my seat. I was off my seat. I was full on standing. Uh, But yeah, it went down last night and... New South Wales Blues, what happened there? That that performance definitely requires a, a response. Like I said, I'm a bit dusty. I'm trying to pull up the game results. Here we go. Maroons, 26. New South Wales Blues, 18. At Adelaide Oval. At this point, why don't we just do South Australia versus Queensland? Because uh, Blues, you've had plenty of chances. What's going on? Okay, so 26-18. And I tell you what, I was um, I was like, hell yeah, pretty early on. Seventh minute try to the Hammer, Hammerso Tabuai Fido. Uh, that decision ended up paying off big time from Billy Slater to include him over a Queensland legend in Dane Gagai. Selwyn Cobbo then scores in the 10th minute. Uh, but New South Wales, despite a pretty average first half, uh, nothing too bad, but Definitely below par of where they should have been at. Liam Martin scores a try. And one really important point here in the Liam Martin try uh, was that it was RP Corusau out of acting half to Nathan Cleary to Jerome Luai um, out to Liam Martin. So the Penrith connection, despite there being criticism over like, you know, Jerome Luai and a couple of other selections, uh, all three try scorers... Uh, Panthers, well, Api Corusau's at the Tigers now, but you get what I mean, right? Uh, so all three of the players that scored were actually f- uh, from that, like, Penrith system. Api Corusau, Stephen Crichton scored as well. Uh, but the Blues at halftime still had a chance. In fact, they actually looked like they were going to win the game with 12 minutes to go. Selwyn Cobbo as well, he scored a double in between all of this. So Jerome Luai, when he was like, why don't you do something about it? Uh, Selwyn Cobbo did something about it, so good on him. Uh, But then 12 minutes to go, the game is on the line, 
And I'll get to my notes in a moment, because I wrote some notes uh, throughout the game, but as I said, I had a responsible amount of beverages as well. Uh, but with 12 minutes to go, as a Queensland fan, I was just thinking, wow, this is a really huge mountain to climb. At NRL level, uh, the position they were in would be a tough ask, let alone at the most elite level of state of origin. But then hammer time again. Scores a try that I thought was the winning try. Well, then Lindsay Collins comes up with a piece of brilliance, just showing that he was ready to compete more than the Blues side were. Common theme throughout the night. And Cameron Munster scores in the 76th minute. So 1-0 series lead to the Queensland Maroons. And I'll get to the situation they were in because it sounds remarkable how they won. But if you didn't see the game, it was even more remarkable than that. 12 players against 13, missing both their wingers, players out of position. Uh, just unbelievable to do that against a Blues side, 1-17, to who I just couldn't fault on paper. But as we know, and as is proven once again, state of origin football is not played on paper. And now Queensland carry a 1-0 series lead into game two. Uh, so my initial reactions, I was surprised, but also not surprised. Again, as a Queensland fan, you just know never to count the boys out. Uh, now what I'll do is just get to the notes that I've written down. I won't go too long this podcast. There's going to be a lot of different outlets in the media, different podcasts, different television shows that are going to go in depth on every single aspect about this game. So I just feel like this is just me assuming, and I shouldn't be making assumptions, but I assume if you're listening to this podcast, if you enjoy it, maybe it's not the only rugby league like you know, podcast you listen to. Maybe you're also watching Fox Sports, or you're watching uh, Channel 9, or you know, tuning into Bloke in a Bar, things like that. So there are going to be a lot of different outlets who are going to break this game down bit by bit, give great analysis, plenty of expert opinions. Uh, so I'll give some opinions, uh, but yeah, I'll make it a bit a bit quicker since there's going to be a lot of origin talk from every single angle. So yeah, I'll try and do it with my own kind of twist, shake it up a little bit. And quickly as well, I just thought, I told myself I'd spend only 60 seconds speaking about this because I know most people won't, won't want to hear it. And also, uh, yeah, I don't know if this even applies to the people who are listening, but Welcome to country. Actually really enjoyed it before the national anthems. The guy made a great point. I'm only going to spend a few seconds on this. And comment sections are like usually cesspools. So never take comment sections too seriously. I just saw a lot of comments today on a Channel 9 post about welcome to country. Uh, Just like a lot of white people, which I'm fucking white. So like I'm not, I'm not being one of those guys, but a lot of people just commenting like real putrid fucking things saying things like i don't need to be welcomed to my own country and it's i don't know like the guy said it's just it's about unison it's not about uh creating a divide so yeah just seeing a lot of like really unnecessarily defensive people being like i don't need to be welcomed to my own country and it's just that's not the point so i'm gonna move on it's not gonna be one of those podcasts Uh, but that that came to my mind at the time and then seeing the comment sections uh, which again it's not where the most intelligent people 
with the opinions that we should hold the most weight. Uh, so comment sections, yeah, that only requires a minute. But the welcome for country, just some food for thought, you know, just consider it. Don't just be defensive straight off the bat. But now uh, we're going to go on to the game. Now, the first thing I wrote down, there was a really early collision where Reese Walsh, uh, he got tackled. Then I think it was Josh Adokar came in over the top. Then someone else came in over the top. And that just started some really early argy-bargy. I loved it from both sides. Now, from the Blues, it looked like an early indicator uh, that they were going to come for the young debutante, really rough him up and welcome him to origin uh, in Blues style. But they really didn't go on with it. Uh, so then, you know, in hindsight, it's just like, okay, you went for like the smallest guy, roughed him up a little bit, didn't really keep that trend going. Uh, Hudson Young and Tom Gilbert were getting into it early as well. I was hoping there'd be a fight, but the more I thought about it, I was like, are these guys really going to punch on in Adelaide? You know, is Adelaide the place, game one, to be doing it? Maybe not. But Hudson Young early on seemed to have that role of antagonizing Daily Cherry Evans. But holy shit, Tom Gilbert was having none of it. And I mentioned in the preview, both of these guys, I said across the park, there are definitely a few operators that, I mean, 10 years ago, they would have no hesitation to be throwing hands. Tom Gilbert, the commentary team, might have been Andrew Johns, made a great point. He was like, is Tom Gilbert actually, is his face maroon? Like, he was just fucking steaming. And it's exactly what you love to see. Like when Hudson Young is going for the halfback, you just see like a raging bull similar to Queensland legend, of course, Gordon Tallis. Not in stature, but you know, just that kind of guy out on the field in that maroon jersey who's just having none of it, not taking any of New South Wales shit. And he's like, oh, you want to, you know, go for the captain? You want to rough up the halfback? Why don't you fucking have a go at me? So I loved that from Tom Gilbert. And thankfully, the Maroons actually kept that kind of trend throughout the game. Although Gilbert didn't see out the full 80, that same intensity and the same idea of having your mates back, that was there in spades. I mean, considering some of the things we saw toward the end of the game, these guys had each other's back and they truly had to dig deep to get this win. At the early Queensland tries, I wrote that down. Um, I had, because I picked the Blues to win, I tipped the Blues, I was like, I'm just going to stay away from this game as far as betting, uh, because I want to cheer on the Maroons, you know, some things are more important than money, but I did put a $10 side multi on, um, of course I didn't share it because I tipped the Blues, but I had a multi of Queensland to win, Hamaso to score a try, and Selwyn to score a try, so after like 10 minutes, I was like, holy crap, like that immediately just grabbed, I think, not just my attention, but everyone's attention as to the fact of like, okay, Queensland are up for it again. I don't think anyone expected us not to be up for it, uh, but I don't think anyone or many people expected us to score two tries in the first 10 minutes, especially when you consider that Blues were supposedly training their whole camp really crucially around their defense and a preparation for game one. Now, so Queensland just said, and I said in the preview as well, I wasn't too sure what Queensland's game plan was, and I was excited to see. Well, they just came flying out the gates. 
They basically said to the Blues, whatever your game plan is, it doesn't matter. We don't care. We know our game plan. We know our strengths. And we're just going to impose that upon you guys based on pure effort areas, which is what Origin is all about. Uh, I wrote down in my notes as well, Murray Taolangi, try-saving tackle, two of them, plus other momentum-building efforts in defense. Uh, Murray Taolangi, I didn't criticize per se. I said, you know, he's got the Maroon jersey on, so I'll back him in, but I thought maybe Xavier Coates should have been there. Well, very happy uh, to eat my words there. Murray Taolangi, those tackles are crucial. I know it's the tries for Queensland that we look at toward the end of the game, as far as, like, that's where the Maroons want it. But Origin, it's these games are built on super clutch moments and really small ones and subtle ones throughout the game. Murray Taolangi saving not one but two tries, just remarkable. And it's clearly, I mean, it's clearly a part of his game that we haven't been able to see as much of at the Cowboys this year. But Billy Slater, kudos to Billy. An ultimate selection there. One, one of the more kind of criticized and question marks around selections of going with Murray Taolangi. Um, no one was like, it wasn't an outrageous selection. It's more just down to how his club are going. But yeah, what, what a perfect selection. I don't know if Xavier Coates, as much of a fan of him as I am, makes the tackles that Murray did there. They were really spectacular, elite tackles. So Murray Taolangi continuing to develop into a very special player. And I think Cowboys fans watching that, they may just get that glimmer of hope that maybe their season isn't done just yet. So huge shout out to Mar- Mar- Mari. Fucking hell, I'm losing the plot. Like I said, uh, a little bit worse for wear today. But it doesn't matter because Queensland won. So I was like, holy shit, woke up scattered. It's like, wow, Queensland won. So it's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. Uh, but yeah, Murray Talangi, I'm posting as well the performance highlights. So usually NRL round to round, I post performance highlights over on our Instagram at not just a sports report. I've posted game one performance highlights. So that'll be up on our Instagram now at not just a sports report gone through player of the game, a couple of other things as well, moment of the game, talking points. Uh, but Murray Talangi got a shout out. Tough stuff, which is usually reserved for forwards. I went with Murray Talangi on the back of his try-saving efforts, which, look, people will definitely speak about, but as far as turning points and things that helped swing this game in favour of Queensland, Murray Talangi, whilst he was on the field, I could not have asked more of him. Well done, Murray Talangi. Uh, as far as the Frizzell no try, I thought it was a try to be fair in real time, but I also had responsibly enjoyed a few drinks. So like it wasn't like I actually, when they were replaying it, like I wasn't, I was in slow motion mode like the replay, but I definitely wasn't paying active enough attention to make a call either way. But yeah, if I had a whistle, if I was a referee, I think I would have said try. But I'm not a referee, and the referee said no try, so we'll take it. Penalties galore. I wrote that down. A lot of penalties. Can we put the whistle away? Can there just be some kind of uh, agreement of just like, I don't know, 
fuck it, you guys can like hip drop each other. Things like that. Does it, I don't know. It wasn't outrageous. It was good because the refereeing, in my opinion, didn't decide the game, anything like that. Uh, so from that perspective, it was good. And maybe the penalties as well, more reflective of a bit of ill-discipline at times from both sides. But yeah, the less that that whistle gets blown, the better, in my opinion. Liam Martin try, already spoke about that. Penrith connection. And at this stage, just before the uh, end of the half, I wrote, Queensland vulnerable, uh, which is something Andrew John said. So I, I think I just heard that and was like, yeah, they are. So I'll credit him. I I'm not just stealing that from him. Uh, we were missing key edge back rowers, so no Tom Gilbert. Um, and yeah, front rowers. I think Ruben Cotter moved out to the edge, so there was like a bit of an ask of how was he going to go there. Well, he was man of the match, so <laughs> there you go. I don't think we missed anything with Ruben Cotter in the back row. He's agile. He could move well. I actually think he suited the edge nicely, although, of course, middle is where he plays the best football. So at halftime, Queensland going with a lead, but Blues by no means out of the game. And then going into the second half, I only wrote a couple of notes and then have some final thoughts. Uh, like I said, a few responsible drinks. Our second half, Adelaide, decent atmosphere, but state of origin, no doubt, at its best in Queensland and New South Wales, specifically as well in Queensland, but definitely in New South Wales as well. Like it's a rugby league heartland. So Adelaide, yeah, it's like an awesome showpiece. And Adelaide in general, like for the AFL and other things, they lift, they have great crowds. Uh, but personally, I just feel like the energy in the arena, that feeling in the air that just drives players to go to those levels they don't even know that they have inside of them throughout a game, I feel like it just lifts to such another gear uh, when it's in a home state of either New South Wales or Queensland. And game two is in Queensland at Suncorp. And the thing with New South Wales, like they already seem to just give up. They're like, oh, we have to win game one. Oh, it's such a big ask to win at Suncorp, which historically it is, but like, fuck it, it is what it is. In a three game series, you cannot afford to just be like, nah, we're not going to win at Suncorp. You know, that's not the mentality. Queensland certainly don't have that mentality. They're never going down to New South Wales, down to Sydney, and being like, ah, oh, crap, well, we basically have to win the other games because this one is a write-off. So game two at Suncorp. Adelaide Oval, congratulations to Adelaide. Put on a great show, uh, but fuck yeah. Game two at Suncorp. Origin, like, the game was fantastic. Can't fault it, but I just feel like it wasn't quite the same as when in last year. There were just some epic contests, like really, really physical. I think game two, my opinion, it's actually going to be better than anything we saw last year, regardless of the result. I think at Suncorp, given the stakes and given everything that's now played out in game one, it just sets us up for a huge game two, make or break for the New South Wales Blues. And yeah, there's going to be plenty of talk, of course, around the major point of difference. Suncorp Stadium. And look, as well, oval stadiums compared to Suncorp. I I've never been to a core stadium, so I can't speak about it, to be honest. Uh, but Suncorp Stadium, been to a few stadiums. Grew up going to Mount Smart. Of course, uh, Amy Park. Go to, been to a few Storm games. 
Uh, I even went to GIO Stadium, which I didn't mind. A lot of talk that it's shit and they want their government to pay like millions to build a new one. I'm like, why don't we just spend those millions elsewhere for a bit? I don't know. Uh, but I guess a new stadium in Canberra would be pretty dope. Uh, but Suncorp, like, it's probably the best one I've been to. It's just so fan-friendly in terms of the view, the atmosphere, accessibility, everything like that. So Suncorp in general is just a fantastic experience. And as far as how close you are to the action, it, it's perfect for a big stadium. It doesn't lose its luster by being too far away from the action, which I can personally say I've been to two State of Origins at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in Melbourne, which I was there when they had like 96,000 fans at the game. Unfortunately, both games I went to, Blues won. Uh, but that overall experience, you do, like I got sick tickets last time, like right in the Queensland supporters section. But because it's an oval, you end up being quite far away from the action. Like it's not the best view. So Adelaide had a great vibe to it, but it's just like Suncorp and a core stadium. Those stadiums, the states, the cities, they were made for these games. And I have no criticism around the NRL trying things out, taking Origin to Melbourne and Adelaide and Perth and having these neutral venues. Um, like it wouldn't be the worst thing to just go back to the States, you know, having two home games every second year or have kind of some system where it goes like two Queensland home games, then two New South Wales home games the following year. And then maybe every third year you do a neutral venue and that could build it up to make it a way bigger deal as well. And I wouldn't mind, honestly, with the talk of Las Vegas, you could do worse in a couple of years than having a Vegas origin opener. And I know that kind of strips away the nature because Queenslanders and New South Welshmen, it's harder for the working class folk to be like, yeah, I'm going to fund a trip to fucking Las Vegas to go to origin as opposed to like an Adelaide. But I do think if they can build it up right, which there's every potential they can, and given like going to Vegas is always going to be a tricky ask mid-season because of the travel requirements. But given, like, state of origin, if you implemented a rule where, say, going into this next round of NRL, we're going to see a lot of players back up, they could just impose a thing where it's like, state of origin, guys, even if you miss back-to-back -back NRL games, there's, like, a grace period. So you play the opener somewhere like Las Vegas, could you imagine, like, if the United States got on board, and we do want to grow this game internationally, if there was some genuine international attention on this showpiece game, like, imagine starting the series in Vegas, you pique a lot of people's interests, they see Origin for the first time, or maybe they've seen it before, but now they're really starting to clue on to how fantastic rugby league is. Imagine they watch game one, and then it goes to like a game two at Suncorp or a core stadium. And they're like, well, I love the first viewing that I got of it. I'm going to tune into game two. And then they see the tribalism down here in Australia. They see a Queensland stadium full of maroon, just a sea of maroon or a sea of blue in Sydney. And they see the physicality of our game. No weight classes, big guys against small guys, 
No helmets. I don't think there are many shoulder pads getting around. I think in this day and age, the current climate, and especially like given NFL's popularity, but stop-start nature and advertisement-interrupted nature, there is absolutely a market for rugby league to become a worldwide brand. So it is an interesting point. Obviously, that is a big kind of irrelevant statement as to the state of origin game. But that's kind of the future of like, if we do want to have a neutral venue, obviously there's heaps that would have to go in to doing something like that in Vegas. But yeah, it's like grow, grow the game. MCG and Optus Stadium just have a lot larger capacities, which I think suit, suit to make it a big game, like Adelaide Oval, a fair bit smaller than those two. But yeah, I'm going way, way off task. But why not? Why not put some thoughts out there? Another thing I wrote in my notes, I was a bit pissed by this point. Uh, Westpac Bank did an ad. This is not an ad by me, by the way. And they were kind of like insinuating that people think bank is a shit and then someone else. And then they were like singing a song and then there was a parking inspector and the banker was like, nah, you're not included. Like, we still hate you. And I just wrote down, I don't even know if you can understand what I'm talking about. Basically, like Westpac Bank were like, parking inspectors are shit, but we're not so bad. And I just wrote down, banks are significantly more evil than parking inspectors. Yeah, for the most part, parking inspectors are dicks, but like they're literally just doing their job. And as far as like putting people in debt and just like doing pretty fucked things and just being a little bit evil, I don't think parking inspectors are truly evil. They're just kind of fuckwits. Banks, banks can be pretty evil. So I just like, I saw that ad and I was like, really? You guys are shunning parking inspectors, but you want everyone to get around you? Like the ad about like, yeah, we should get around bankers sponsored by Westpac Bank. And I'm like, fuck you guys. I'm not getting around bankers. You can't fool me with that shot. Uh, so yeah, parking inspectors, not so bad. They still suck. But if I had to choose between the two, I rate uh, parking inspectors over Westpac Bank. There you go. I also called it there was going to be a sin bin during the game. Just, it's 2023 in rugby league. There was always going to be a sin bin in the final 10 minutes too. So actually a huge stage for that to happen. Tom Flegler gets sin binned. My vision, my vision was pretty good, but like I was hazy in a bit of a haze at that point. So I was just like, how the hell did he get sent off? And I was like, I'm not going to rewind, whatever. I'm watching it live. So it was just kind of like, what the hell? But I called it, like I just kind of expected it, so I wasn't that shocked. I was like, why is Flegler getting sinbinned? But then I was like, yeah, of course he's getting sinbinned. So final 10 minutes, you have Selwyn Cobbo off, Murray Talangi ends up going off the field, Ben Hunt at right centre, David Fafita in the centres, and funnily enough, like no Kirk Capewell, who would have been the first guy to move into the centres with these injuries. So Ben Hunt, when have we ever seen him play in the centres? David Fafita, the Titans did try him there, but at origin level, and especially given the talk of the one-on-one centre battles going into this game, of like how you're going to mark up against Turbo Tommy or Stephen Crichton, 
For David Fafita and Ben Hunt to do what they did was huge. Flegler in the bin, 12 on 13. What was my turning point? Queensland short dropout. They get the ball back, end up getting a penalty on the back of that, and it leads to an iconic Queensland win. We see Hamaso Tabuai Fido score the try uh, on the left wing. Cameron Munster put him over, but it was pace. He still had a lot of work to do up against the likes of Josh Adokar and James Tedesco, who just slipped. Like, how that looked was not great for Tedesco, but it was clearly just a slip or the pressure of the moment. But Hammer, all this talk, Dane Gagai, like the huge call from Billy Slater to drop Dane Gagai, who has never put a foot wrong at origin level. He clearly made the right decision. And Billy Slater's rationale uh, throughout the camp was that he made these decisions in the best interest of Queensland. Well, he clearly did. Uh, Hamaso Tabuai Fido scores the try, then Munster scores after that. And yeah, I could talk for another hour about Queensland and just, that's a typical Queensland performance. That's what Origin is all about. I could also sit here and criticize the Blues. There's going to be plenty of that. Honestly, I just, I can't be asked being super critical about the Blues because there's going to be heaps of that. There's just going to be enough of that. So we're like half an hour in. Uh, I think, what have, I, what have I got to finish? Some final notes and a statistical breakdown of just a couple of things. Also, uh, after this podcast, I'm going to sit down and record the round 14 preview podcast. So there's still NRL to come this weekend. Very keen to jump into the preview for that. And I'll, of course, give my predictions. Uh, but let's just run through the stats. Ruben Cotter ended up getting man of the match. 48 tackles. Most run meters, James Tedesco with 217. Where's tackle breaks? I like tackle breaks. We got the most tackle breaks for Queensland. David Fafita with five. I actually had that in my final notes. Uh, I spoke in the preview about the Fafita factor. That if there was a Ford for Queensland that really had that ability to break the game open, it was David Fafita. So it was a mountainous task ahead of him, given the Ford pack that the Blues possessed. But credit to David Fafita. I mean, he is in. I know he's not doing week in, week out, all the crazy stuff he's done in recent years. But I think this is the best version of David Fafita, without a doubt, that we have seen to date. Now, the aftermath of this result. Queenslanders, we're all like congratulating each other and just celebrating a great win. The Queenslanders that did have to work today, well, they head into work with a smile on their face. Blues. Blues are turning on their own. Like, this is wild. It's just not the kind of fan that I am to be like, you know, sack the coach, drop the captain. Oh, fuck, let's make changes all over the park. It's classic New South Wales. Like, it just makes me laugh. The Blues fans immediately start turning on their own. Just saying Queenslanders wouldn't do this, you know? Look at Dane Gagai, he got dropped, and Ponga got dropped, and we were all still had their backs of like, oh, huge call. Uh, But the Blues, there we go. They want Teddy gone skis. For who, honestly? Like, Dylan Edwards is awesome, but fucking hell, like, what a call. 
to drop the captain. There clearly are going to be changes. Uh, so that is a big talking point. What changes does Freddie make? The Tevita Panga Jr. one didn't really pay dividends. Uh, but sometimes that just happens at origin level. But yeah, Blues fans are just losing their minds, turning on their own. And us Queenslanders now, the fun part is just sitting, at, sitting back and watching it happen. And just, yeah, waiting for game two in Suncorp or at Suncorp. Uh, Billy Sater, looking the good so far. Still a lot of footy to be played out. Uh, but to go two from two in his origin coaching career. So Billy Slater just quietly ushering through the next era of our great Maroons players. Whilst Brad Fittler finds himself under immense pressure, no doubt he loses this series and he's probably gone. Would be interesting to see who the next man up would be. I feel like these days, like Craig Bellamy has coached them before. And honestly, if he left the storm, he could do a lot worse than Craig Bellamy. But it just seems like to truly, uh, I don't know, it just seems like they're with the coaches. They want guys who have been in the absolute depths of that origin pressure. So I think they'll go for someone who's been a New South Wales blue before. Imagine Andrew Johns. I would like to see Andrew Johns just go like, fuck it, I've had enough. I don't know if anyone gets more upset by all of this stuff than Andrew Johns. So I'd love him to just go, fuck it, Freddie, I love you, but I, I can't take this anymore. I want to have a crack at like beating these Queenslanders. Like a, a Johns brothers combination would be exciting. Uh, but who knows? Like that is so much speculation and stuff still to play out. Which, if you've listened to the podcast before, speculation isn't my go. Brad Fittler's is still the coach, but he is under immense pressure. Uh, last thought for the podcast. As a Queensland fan, well done to the boys. That is exactly what Origin is all about. From 1 to 17, through to the extended reserves, through to the Queensland players like Gaga and Ponga and Capewell, who's, who've given us great service before. Uh, everyone in that Queensland setup, congratulations to them and congratulations to every Queenslander out there. It's a great day to be a Maroons fan and 35 minutes. That's good. I wrote a few notes. I was like, ah, oh, shit, hopefully this doesn't take me like two hours. 35 minutes. That's a pretty good amount of time to put my information out there. And now, of course, we, we can expect a whirlwind of Origin Chat on the TV, on the podcast networks, everywhere you look on social media. It's all going to be out there. So there's 35 minutes worth of it from me. Fair amount of time. And of course, performance highlights, best on ground, uh, talking point, tough stuff, all that kind of stuff is over on our Instagram right now. So you can check that out at Not Just a Sports Report. And of course, we're keeping the podcasts rolling this week. We've already had the Round 13 Weekend Rap Podcast. Record amount of listeners too, by the way. So thank you very much to everyone that listened to that and everyone that's listening to this one as well. Then we had the State of Origin preview. Now we've had the review. Of course, still the Round 14 preview podcast to come out. So I'm going to jump into recording that right now. And after that, well, the action doesn't stop because I'm also going to be jumping in 
to the UFC Fight Night Predictions Podcast, headlined by flyweights Amir Albazi and Kai Kara France, the Kiwi, of course, the New Zealand Warriors wrestling coach in 2023. And so there's plenty of stuff for me to jump into. Also putting out more and more Instagram content. So at 36 minutes in, I think it's fair to say, job done with this podcast. Listener friendly, length of time. Let's call it. Let's just call it. There you go. There were my thoughts on Origin. Plenty more thoughts from everyone else to come. So yeah, soak it in. Soak it in. I'm off. Don't forget the round 14 preview podcast for the NRL. That one will go slightly longer, but I'll still try and keep it, you know, listener friendly. I'm blabbering enough already, so I'm signing off. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, take care, and most importantly, enjoy the footy this weekend. I know I will be leaning back on a 1-0 Queensland series win. How bloody good. <laughs>